in the words of Iron Maiden, run for your life, run for the hills. And this is the Fat Man Chronicles. I was not hiding. I was unsure. And I was really Welcome to episode 78 of the Batman Chronicles. I'm Pete, and Gretchen is not with me today. Instead, I'm joined by the one and only Rob Bozovich. How are you, Rob? Very good. How are you doing, sir? Doing all right. So I invited um, you on so we could do a little bit of race and preview. I know that it'll shock everybody, but that's not Gretchen's forte or interest. So Wait, wait. Am I supposed to bring the views from the couch then? You are. Did you not prepare? I didn't. Give me a, give me 30 seconds and I could have just as much prep. <laughs> um, somebody did something ridiculous on some show that nobody likes. Hey, hey, the nobody likes she's going to take a lot of offense to. Is she going to listen to this? Um, oh, yeah, that, that's that's a really good point. Let I'm it go. go Don't no. say anything and let her call me out if she does. <laughs> that's going to that's how that's the Easter egg of how we'll know if Linda listen or not. Right? Don't tell her. <laughs> All right, so here's I, – I thought what we could do is catch up maybe a little bit with you first. Um, okay. And then we'll go into a little bit of race in preview for the Badger Trail Races, Stewart, Con- Stewart Tunnel. I almost said that with a C, which has sounded horrible, um, 50K. So, Rob, why don't you kind of give us just a rundown of what you've been up to? Last two days? Well, you know, maybe like nothing, the last couple of months. I mean, all, you know. You know. <laughs> no, I'm just being tongue-in-cheek there. Uh, I've been a little down and out the last couple of days um, uh, with a stomach bug. So, you know, you know, and anyone listening, training, you can be on top of your game, and then it's like you're out for two days, and you're like, I'm never going to be able to complete anything. Uh, but let's you know, go back in time. Last time I was on, I believe, it was after uh, Newport News and not since. So... Uh, in the intermediums, or if that's the right word there, in the, uh, between that. I'm going to go with interim. Uh, interim? Thank you. Thank, that's why we keep you around, Pete. So, uh, yes. But between then and now, so I uh, that was an early March race, and I was planning to do the Delaware uh, Running Festival Marathon. And uh, I did – so I had another basically six weeks of solid training that I could do, and then I had a little bit of a taper. And then I also – I kind of said in, uh, inadvertently but not – I was I said an A and then a backup A goal, which is really not what anybody should do. Um, but let me just say what I did. And that was I went back out. I hit my speed training and my tempo runs, and I was doing really well. <clears throat> Excuse me. So then I went in and I did the, the the Delaware race in which I remember them saying it was flat. Um, and as such, I go out and I do – it used to be a two-loop course, but they changed it so you do this loop and then you do this out and back on this rail trail. And I, I did the loop and I came off the loop into the second half at um, – uh, was w- should have I was projecting an under a four hour finish at that point, which was pretty good. I was happy with that, and it was around mile 
I don't know, 14 or so. Uh, one of the aid station workers, um, I I was listening to music and I I was just kind of waving and then they actually like yelled. So I took my earphones off and they said like, Hey, um, I said, what's up? And they said, it's the last water for four miles or for three miles. So I'm like, Oh, okay. I guess I'll take one. Needless to say, I ended up cramping fairly bad and falling off pace uh, on that race because when you have six of the last, you know, 13 miles of a marathon, basically unsupported, no porta johns, no people cheering, no water, no food, no anything, it really throws your game off. Um, so what I then, like I said, I said an A and then a backup A is uh, Pittsburgh was the following week. Uh, so really, it just uh, I, I ran 26 miles that you know took six days off and went and ran 26 miles again and um that that race i should say went much better uh than than when well, i don't say than anticipated went better than delaware i paced very well um i actually had to use porta potty a few times um early on um i was hoping targeting a sub four hour marathon in, in pittsburgh that was like mother monkey on my back i just wanted to get you know accomplish that goal and uh we went into the half, I say we because I was actually running with uh, two friends at that time. Um, we hit the halfway point at like 159, a little slower than I had done in Delaware the week before. Um, but then I, what I, I, I did my first ever negative split, and I just kept going a little faster, a little faster, a little faster. And uh, obviously, I got my uh, my sub four. I think it was a 354 or so finished in Pittsburgh, and I, I come back to it because. We always talked, or we heard me say, Pittsburgh is a hilly marathon. Um, Pittsburgh has about eight, nine hundred feet of elevation gain. The Delaware one I did the week before had like six hundred and fifty, all in that first half. So, had it been the two loop course that they had done in the years past, it would have actually been more elevation gain. So, just things that that we're gonna maybe talk about here. You going into your race next week. Things you need to really pay attention to and plan out. And I, I throw that cautionary tale. Everybody says it and then everybody falls off it. You know, I was anticipating, I thought, oh, with Delaware, maybe I'll run with the pace group. Maybe I'll take nutrition. And I'm used to now like Pittsburgh, Chicago, where they have that stuff every single mile. And they didn't. They had no pace groups. They didn't have, um, you know, they didn't have stuff every mile. It's like every like two miles, three miles. Like I said, there was a three mile stretch on the back end with it that made it not not what I was thinking. So um, whatever you're doing a race, you really got to scout those things out. Even like I said, elevation, somebody and everything I'd read said flat, flat, flat. But it, to have 1,200 feet of elevation, if it was the two-loop course, was nowhere near a flat course. So nothing that I was anticipating. Uh, did all that. Took a few months, I should say, not necessarily off. Took a month off, and then I started training again because I am coming back out to do Chicago here. And, um, one of the things I've been doing, uh, hard this year is I've been indoor cycling a lot on Zwift. Uh, we, we can talk about that a little bit if you'd like later. Um, but yeah, so a lot of, you know, indoor cycling, which I think has helped my run, especially on a day like, uh, I said yesterday, I would just, I could not get out for a run. Uh, stomach was just not having it. I couldn't, you know, I can't bounce, so to say, just can't hold anything down, but I was able to get on the bike and pedal for a while. So some exercise or cross training is better than than nothing. So that's about it. I mean, two races early on, and then uh, just training back into throws. I'm think I'm six or seven weeks in on training for Chicago race coming up here in October. Awesome. Yeah, the back to back marathons is really incredible to me. Doing them back to back weekends like that. I know some people have done right. You know, back to back days for that. And if people are doing a hundred miler like at this 
trail races that I'm going to, right? It's it's even more than that. But I just find yeah. that really intriguing, especially the fact that you did so well that following week um, at yeah. Pittsburgh. And I think a, a big part of that come, for me came down to, um, and I've said it before, and it's just consistency. You know, years and years and years ago, I'd do one and I'd be wiped out for a month. And now it's just it's the fact that you know, I did I did a couple of early marathons last year. I did a couple of late marathons last year, and then really it's no more than a you know a three four week at most downtime. Um, and then I'm back into you know pretty pretty heavy training load. You know, and when I'm when I say in a heavy training load, it's uh, back into heavy running. I was still cycling in those those off days. I mean, I, I sent you this the other day, and some people will be like, "Wow, it's a lot." Some people will be like, "Oh, that's nothing." But you know, years prior, I would do maybe thousand miles total cycling through the year, and because of my trainer and being able to ride inside, and when I say off times, like early in the morning or late at night or or such, or like on the weekend when Connor goes down for a nap, um, I've hit you know, just, just hit 2000 miles of indoor cycling this year, you know? So, I mean, for, that's more than I've ever done. And that all just goes into that base and that consistency of keeping it going. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think what we should do, cause I'm going to start utilizing an indoor trainer here shortly. And I think we should do a, a whole episode on it. Um, once I get into it and we could talk about the beginner versus, you know, somebody who's been into it for a while and, and why, yep. Um, like why you've chosen that platform. Cause there are other platforms besides Zwift, even though you probably wouldn't know that if you watched the tour de France. Um, but there are, I heard they had some advertising. It. Yeah, they did a lot there. Um, and in the past, like Peloton did a, did a ton of advertising. I don't remember seeing them on this, this year's, um, but I didn't get to watch a lot of it cause I was on vacation for a bunch, but you know, anyway. Um, so I think, a couple of things then I'm, I'm really glad we got to catch up with you and, and see where you're at. I know that the um, people in endurance for everyone and um, we'll, we'll be interested in that and maybe we'll get to talk to John again soon to, to hear from him. Uh, mm -hmm. One of the things that I wanted to do here was really just talk through my race and kind of what I've done up till now, what the race looks like and race strategy. And I know that talking with you about this, you'll come up with questions and, um, different ways of looking at things than I do. So I appreciate you coming on for it. Um, yes, sir. So I've already got a few questions, so I'm ready. I, I'd say you start talking that way. I don't just sit here and grill you on your own show. So <laughs> there you go, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I would say my training cycle has been less than ideal. And by that, I mean, I haven't done as many long runs as I anticipated for a couple of reasons. Um, one of them is the heat. It has been brutally hot um, for a big chunk of this summer, and it started yep. really early. So to go for long runs when the heat index is over 100 um, is simply dangerous. So I understand that some people live in parts of the country where that's all the weather that they have. Um, I would contend that's different unless you've just moved there. If you've spent your life there, I, I'm not saying it's not going to still be difficult. It is. But you're makeup inside of your body, your blood volume, and the different things that happen when you have to heat train are different for somebody who lives in the environment. I would equate it to somebody who lives at altitude. You're going to yeah. be more used to it. Um, I, oh, I implicitly agree with you. And I know I don't want to say like, oh, I, you know, I, I've been there, done that. But yeah, I mean, 
my dad has a place in Florida and the first day or two that I'm there, if we get on for three, four, five days, you know, to visit, um, the first day or two that I'm there, I'm still, it's, it's sweltering to me and it'll be like, he has his air conditioner inside set at like 75, you know, to cool it down. And, you know, I'm used to like, I keep my ones up here at like 69, 70. Cause it's just, it's the a big part of it's the humidity in the air. Uh, but also I know that come about after four or five days of being there at my dad's place, you know, it'll be like you're saying a hundred during the day and then you'll be, you know, riding along at night and it's like dropped to like 77, 78 degrees outside. And it actually feels cool. You can, you can acclimate that quick, but that's every single day. And the, like you, it goes back to the training. I was saying the longer you're there, the more acclimated you're going to get it. You're right. It doesn't make it any easier. We're not downplaying and saying, Oh, you live there. It's easier for you. No, but you're, you're more accustomed to it, especially where you're at and where I'm at. I mean, we go from, you know, harsh winters to, you know, to a hundred degrees, you know, you can have, you know, 41 week and, and 85, 90 the next week. You, you can't get used to that. Yeah, that for sure. And, and I don't, I've always struggled in heat ever since I was a kid. So I'm not saying that I'm different or special. I'm just saying that I know that I struggle in heat, especially I struggle with high dew point and we've had very high dew points all summer long. And even last night, as an example, before I get into the other kind of reasons that the training wasn't where I wanted it to be, um, last night, I think it was about 70, when I went for my little 5K, it was about 78 degrees, and I think the dew point was down to like 64, and normally that would have just crushed me, even that, Um, but I felt like Superman because I've been doing some heat training, and so I felt really good overall with that and was able to put in a little bit better effort um, because I wanted to do something a little bit faster uh, more towards um, like maybe tempo pace or so just a little bit above it but better than easy pace and I I was able to to accomplish what I wanted to so I was able to really get some confidence back with that so a couple of other reasons um I didn't get the training in that I wanted was um, I had a bout of exterior tendonitis that I had to get through and I had never had it before. Didn't really know what it was, but it's, it's an inflammation of the tendon that kind of runs over the top of the foot into the bottom of the ankle. And it can be fairly painful. It's definitely bothersome. So if you think about any other tendonitis, if you've ever had tennis elbow, I mean, there's times where you just can't really utilize it. So I'm on a vacation and I'm trying to let it rest, but I'm walking around Disney and I had to do all these exercises to try to get rid of it. And eventually it kind of subsided. So I'm in a good place with it right now. I can tell it's still lingering there, but overall it's pain-free when I run at least now, did you shorter distances. Did you self-diagnose that or did you have to go get that looked at? Because I know you were telling me that you had the pain and then you yeah. finally said what it was, but I didn't know if, if you actually yeah, went I, I, I had and got that at. looked at. Yeah, I had it looked at. Um, by a PT. So um, overall, it's kind of better than what it was, right? Um, You know, and a a couple other things, I really think not having a coach, I struggled a little bit. And, you know, it was, you know, Andy and I just were, I'm not sure that, you know, like we talked about before, like he's not, uh, he wasn't like ready on the, on the ultra stuff or the trail stuff as much. Um, and I really want to get into to that more. And I didn't go seek out a different coach. 
uh, for whatever reason. And I think that helped me or didn't, I think that did not help me. I think I struggled because of that a little bit. Um, because you didn't have the accountability or what? I think a little bit was the accountability. Um, not as much though, because I, I mean, I have accountability, like I'm, I hold myself accountable pretty well. I've got you, um, I've got Kevin. Um, I, I really think that I have the, the right support system. I think it was more around having to think about how I was going to train. And I didn't really write out a plan kind of based on what I thought. I just okay. kind of went week to week. And right. I'm not sure that was the best way to tackle it. So maybe it was the coaching aspect or the plan aspect of it and just being able to kind of talk it through a little bit more. And I think I got a little bit embarrassed. Like I don't know as much uh, about this type of running and I probably should have asked some more questions or at least picked the brains of some more people. Um, and I have got plenty of people that I can do that with. So it was kind of my own fault, which kind of brings it to the last thing, which is I, I know this is odd given that I'm on a podcast. I'm pretty, pretty open on it. I'm open on my blogging, but in the end, I'm actually kind of, I'm not a really, I'm almost shy might be the wrong word, but in person or even asking for help, like I just kind of, I kind of cringe um, at it. And it's not that I just don't want to bother people. So, um, and that's a big thing for me to overcome going into this race. And I probably thought about it too much, which is I'm going into it running alone, which I'm, I do for every training run. So that doesn't, that in and of itself doesn't bother me. I'm going further than I've ever gone on a, on a path I've never been to, um, running that long on a trail, which I've never even come close to surrounded by people. I don't know. Um, it's a little intimidating from that aspect. <laughs> It's kind of like jumping into the deep end, but not just one. You're jumping into like nine different deep ends here, Pete. Yeah. Yeah. So it, this is going to go one of two ways, right? It's either going to be a fantastic experience or it's going to break me. It's going to be one or the other. I think it's going to be a fantastic experience and I'm starting to overcome some of the trepidation as I go forward. And I've started to really do more on looking at the race, looking at the components so, for example, the things you've been talking about, right? Where are the rest stops? Where are the, you know, what are they going to kind of be stocked with? What is the, the course profile look like? What is the race really going to entail? And try to take my mind off of, hey, I'm planning on going up Friday night, um, hopefully doing packet pickup, meeting people at from the 10 Junk Miles crew that, I really admire, right? Like from a podcasting standpoint, I think that they are really, really good. And I think that they've provided me a great service by keeping me company for many countless hours on the road. And I'm excited to meet them, but I'm also like, I don't want a fanboy um, over it, which, you know, could happen. Um, and then what's wrong with that? Yeah. Well, you know, could be embarrassing for all of us. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, I, plan on kind of being there at the start of the 100 just to watch kind of what happens look at an aid station or two just kind of see what happens out there because this whole ultra world is different it's a different kind of mentality there are going to be people out there racing um and there's six different distances going on uh, over the course of the weekend but there are going to be a lot of people like me who are just out there to complete a distance and I think for most ultra runners, 
that's the goal is to finish. I mean, I know there's competitive people and I'm not saying that they don't go out there with time goals in mind, but I think the vast majority of ultra runners, especially at the beginning, it's simply about one foot in front of the other to complete the distance that you've signed up for. So I don't know what you, your thoughts on that, Rob, that's the right way to look at it. Yeah, I, I got a couple, I got a half a dozen different trains of thought here. So the first thing I want to say is I was, I wanted to ask you what, what your training's been. Cause when I say it this way, you, you, and forgive me, you said you went week to week. Did you sit down and write down, like write out a, okay, I need to be, I'm making it up. Okay. You have to do 50 K. So did you base that off of a marathon plan, work it backwards? How many, like, did you have a rough idea? And then you just filled in like the little runs or the days you were going to do them. Um, I, I, I don't want it to be like two weeks from now whenever if we're recapping and then to be like, oh, this was all hindsight 2020. I want to maybe get a little bit of this out there. Did you write it out and did you did you get most of them done? Like 70 percent, 80 percent? Because you had said you haven't done an, a lot. But what did, what did you do? I, I did write one out kind of based on a hybrid of plans that I looked at. Um, 50K plans. Um, I looked at marathon plans and I kind of manipulated a plan that I thought would work for me. I did not. I only, com I completed most of the short runs or in, in weekday runs. Um, I would say 80%, maybe even 90, uh, outside of the, the three weeks of injury, which are two and a half weeks of, I guess you could call it an injury with the exterior tendonitis. I'd call it an injury. Yes. Um, and then on the long runs, I just didn't, I didn't get them done. I would say maybe closer to 60% on that because of the heat. I mean, the heat just absolutely broke me several times when I tried to get out and go longer. Right. I just wasn't able to do it. The one really good one that I had, the heat index was well over 90 to start and finished at like 102 or something like that. I can't remember exactly, but it was it was over 100 the dew point was like 74 to 76 the entire time. It was beating down sun. And I did two laps at Waterfall Glen for just, you know, a little over 19 miles and did my own, kind of brought everything with me, used my car as an aid station after the first loop, which they're each about nine and a half uh, miles, and was able to kind of get a rhythm down and, and a feel for what it might be like. And at the end of that 19.2, if you said, hey, you've got to get out there and do another loop, um, I, I could have done it by walking. I had to do a lot of walking in that, but I, I didn't find that to be shameful because I kept moving. I, it's not like I stopped. You know, like it just it was relentless forward progress during those two. Um, okay. First loop was much better than the second loop. Um, the good news is it looks like it's not going to be quite that hot on race day. I was really afraid it was going to be the way that this heat has gone this this year. I really thought it. Hey, there's a good chance. High's going to be 95, and the dew point's going to be 78, and it's going to feel like 105 out there for most of the day. Or within the window now, you should have a fairly clear picture of what's coming, right? Yeah, it says that the low um, overnight low is about 65. So I would assume by the time I start the race at 7 a.m., it'll be somewhere in that in that range, 65 to 68 degrees and building pretty fast to a high of 85. The dew point looks to be in the mid 60s. So it'll be a heat index, you know, for the majority of the race somewhere hovering probably between 88 and 92 is my yeah. guess. 
um, which is still darn warm, darn hot. Yep. Oh, yeah. Um, the good news here with the Badger Trail races, they give generous cutoffs for most of the the distances. And for the 50K, it's an 11-hour cutoff. I could walk it. And I was going to ask you one thing now. I want to go from one end to the other, and then I'm going to try to ask you some questions in the middle. What, when I say, what do you want? You cross the finish line. What What's in your head? What do you want to get from this experience? The reason I signed up for the longer distance is I, there's something about these long distances that's attractive to me just in terms of mental toughness. And it's something that I want to continue to grow in myself. So for me, when I cross that line, I want to be able to, if there was like a mirror immediately, I wanted to be able to look at myself and go, you didn't quit. And, or you're stronger, you're stronger now than at the start line, which is probably a much more positive way of looking at it. Right. I don't want to do the negative if I can. You had said it. And I just want to reiterate if you, if you, the cutoff's 11 hours, and if you cross that finish line in, in, we'll say 10, 59, 59, and you had to walk the entire thing, you're still happy with your accomplishment? I am. Yeah. For this one, I am. Given the okay. adversity, I would be. Okay. No, I, I agree with you. And now I just want, now when I say we can go back and backfill some of the stuff that I'm thinking here, you had said, and going to not necessarily shy, but you know, you're not really forthcoming or outgoing whenever you're, uh, you know, in person there and you're doing this alone. Are you planning to try to maybe meet some people out there and, and when and run with them? Or are you thinking you're going to go do this whole thing alone? My guess is I'll do most of it alone. It's not to say that I won't meet somebody, you know, they're going the same pace and I'm sure you will. And there's going to be Look, this this is a big event. This is over 500 runners signed up. Now, granted, it's across six events, but they're all on the same trail. So you're going to run across people. I think for me, what could be interesting is looking, you know, they have a race page, of course, 10 junk miles racing. And then they asked about, you know, what are you doing, you know, at the event? And, you know, what, you know, just kind of introductory type stuff. And what's so interesting to me is you see this list of names that are responding and like they've either been interviewed on 10 Junk Miles, they've been on an episode of it, they're mentioned in terms of like, um, you know, being a patron or have one way or another had some connection to the show. And I think that's Mm going to be interesting to me to be able to meet some of those people. You're going to get to meet all the behind the scenes people. Yeah. Well, or, and and just know, some of the fan, other fans, yeah. right. Um, that are out there too. So I think that that would be interesting. I'm not going to not talk to people. Like if somebody talks to me, I'm pretty, I'm pretty open, pretty fairly quickly. Right. It's just me approaching them is pretty, it's a little bit more uncomfortable. Um, but I, I've heard that this community is just so open and welcoming and, you know, I, I I did experience some of that when I ran that half marathon with Karen, and I I do want to experience more of that because one of the you know an ancillary goal for me, Rob, would be to meet some people that are in the area that I mm-hmm. could go out and run with every once in a while. Yeah, um, I don't want to run alone all the time. I just don't. I just don't know anybody who likes to run. Um, oh, I got you. But it's, in my area, there's only two or three 
people I should, you're saying that I know that run one is way faster and one is way slower. You know what I mean? So it's, am I, am I trying to die to keep up with somebody or am I slowing down in order to do it? You know what I mean? You're right. It's nice to have that person around your pace. Um, or what are you planning to, two more things, those selling questions here, and then we'll dig a little bit into the why behind it. What are you planning, uh, as far as your strategy, as far as run walk or do you have a something set out that you're going to do and is it based it's a rail trail from correct so is it uh it's a fairly flat course profile well that, that, so there's where that's interesting so you got two big things in there so let me start at mm-hmm. the first one yeah. um the first is i am going to do a run walk and yeah. i've been i've done many different intervals never more than a 30 second walk um that's how i feel best and I think for race day, given the heat and given the intervals that I've been practicing with, I'm going to do like a one minute run and 30 second walk. And I'm going to try to keep that pretty consistent throughout as much of the day as I can and okay. just walk through some things as needed. Um, but I, I like that interval for this particular race because it's so long and it will be warm. I can run much further than that. And for for a decent amount of distance. However, I got to be smart and I want to be able to complete this. My goal isn't to go out there and do this in six hours, right? If it was, I would have to run way more. But because it's to yeah. complete it um, and I have to drive myself home uh, that night. So I want to make sure that my legs still function. And so I think the one minute on and 30 second walk are the right way to go for me. Most of my training has been with longer run intervals. So I'm kind of hoping this allows me to recover better. And I actually practiced this the last three out of four runs at utilizing this interval, including last night. I did a one minute run, 30 second walk for my 5K that I ran. And I did it at 1130 pace. So you can move on those run intervals um, when needed. So that's uh, that's kind of what that strategy is. So having done run walk in the in the past, I'm not saying that I'm not opposed to doing it now. I went into my ultra knowing that because it was a lot of elevation uh, that basically it was going to be run when I could run on the flats, you know, hike uphill and try to do as best as I could coming downhill. Now, if you're not having as much elevation, it's a different to do that. But I, I just want to say this. What I set out and said then prior to that race and literally heading out as soon as they blew the whistle or whatever and they said go, um, you need to just realize this is what I'm doing all day. You know, so like when you said about the, you know, you're saying run, walk and you said, hey, I can run a lot farther than that. Everybody can if you're only going to go for an hour run or if it's a sit, you know, three flat miles or six flat miles. But whenever you're going 50K that's a long distance. It's a long day. And you just, I, and I know you know it. I just want to reiterate it for the, the fans. And that is you just kind of need to get it in your head. This is what I'm doing today. Whether that is going to be eight hours or 10 hours, that's it. You know, for the next, you know, X, you're, that's all you're doing. Yep, <laughs> it, absolutely. And it's, and it's really, uh, it's a clarifying moment. You say it to yourself and then about three hours in, it really sets in that, Oh, this is what I'm doing all day. And it's just, it, it's, it's fun. It, it, you're, I think you're very much going to enjoy it. And I, I don't believe 
you're making the mistake that everybody makes and that nobody wants to admit to. You're not putting a time goal on it. You're not saying, oh, I think I, you know, because if you feel, you know, everyone knows you feel devastated when you don't hit it. You know, I think we hit that with, with Newport when we were out there. Yeah. Um, it, this is one of those literally you just need to realize I'm going to be there all day. And, you know, like you had said, uh, there's multiple people doing multiple different distances. Um, are they, it, like you, th- I, I'd ask kind of, is it an out and back or, or different races taking different loops or is it literally like one really long trail and the hundreds are going way out to the end and these other people or how, how often are you going to be seeing people? Do you know? I, so there's over 500 people signed up. I think we're going to see a lot of people cause they're just utilizing about a 33 mile stretch of this and it's straight. So there's no loop. So it's, so like for the hundred milers, they're going to go, you know, out, back, and out, if you would, right? Mm-hmm. Um, everybody finishes in the same place. So it's just shorter on the same trail, just kind of taking the out and backs and, and condensing them. So the 100K is out and back, right? Yeah. Um, the So the only one that would have to start in a different place is the 100 miler, so that the odd number, right, with the out and backs gets you to the finish yeah. um, in, the, in the right spot. So for... And we'll get back to the elevation because it's important. Um, and then nutrition too. Um, and aid stations. Well, that's what I'm going to go to next, I think. Yep. So to kind of give a, a sense of it, the aid station, I, we start in Belleville, Wisconsin. And the first aid station is about five and a half miles up uh, on the trail at the Stewart Tunnel. So this tunnel is kind of iconic and I think will become the iconic piece of the race, if you will. Um, and we'll go through it twice. So everybody goes through it at least twice. And it's this quarter mile tunnel that curves so that when you're in the middle of it, it's pitch black, no matter what. So you need like your phone, either your phone light or a headlamp or something, or else you're basically in the pitch black, um, going right. through for about a quarter mile, which is pretty cool. And one interesting part of this, I could see people on these hot days and doing longer distances, I could see them stopping inside the tunnel for a minute because it's cooler. So yes. although there's an aid station right there, you may want that kind of natural coolness that's in that tunnel um, for a few minutes and then hit that aid station. So the first aid station is about five and a half miles at the tunnel. Then you go about another three and a and half I, miles. And once again, out and back. So let me just ask or verify one thing. Five and a half out, which means on your return trip, that's your last one for the last five and a half miles? It is, yes. Okay. Yeah, so it's kind of a long stretch to finish without an aid station. Um, so, yeah, we've got the, the tunnel. Monticello is next at nine miles, and that'll also be your 22 and a half, give or take. Um, then something called Gutsmer Road that is about a half marathon distance out, so about 13 miles. So another four, just over four, and then... There's like one right away for us, which is the turnaround um, at 15 and a half. And I'm not sure how big that aid station will be. My guess is not very. Um, but the other ones look to be fairly, you know, like kind of bigger aid stations. Um, and now, I only have one under my belt. Karen would be able to tell you a lot more. But when I would say prepare to be underwhelmed a little bit, but they're going to have everything you need. 
So the one that I did, like they, they list all the stuff they're going to have at them, which I, I think you need to go through. You said you've been trying some of it, but really when you get there, like for me, I don't know why like, I knew it wasn't going to be Chicago where they have 300 water tables and 300 Gatorade lined up for a quarter mile on both sides. Right. But it literally is like was one like three foot or you know, by five foot, you know, plastic conference table and whatever food you can fit on that. That's what it was with like two or three aid station workers. Yeah. You know, now, uh, this race is roughly 10, 15 times this uh, based on the participants that you're saying, the number of people that were at the one that I was at, you know, so you, I'd imagine it's going to be a couple of tables, but, um, you know, it, you're not, there's going to be a lot of food to choose from, but it's, it's going to be, um, you know, it's going to be exactly what you see on the website. You're not, you're not going to be surprised by anything, I guess is a way to say it. You're not going to be like, wow, that was the greatest day station ever. Well, you know, so you're not a 10 Junk Miles listener, so you're not going to know. But, like, they're kind of famous for having, oh, my gosh, that was the greatest aid station ever. That's kind of oh, like their thing. Prove um, me wrong. Okay. So, they, as a matter of fact, uh, one of their aid stations is, like, it's on Yelp and, like, got seven five-star reviews. So... <laughs> Um, these guys know how to throw a party on, on top of throwing, you know, on the trail. My goal with nutrition is I'm going to bring Morton with me. That's what I've been using. I'm going to have two full Morton bottles, 17 ounce Morton bottles of the, of the three, 320 mix, um, on, you know, on the chest. I'm going to have a full backpack of water and ice, um, to start the race, uh, on the back. And I'll have an extra Morton 320 with me. And I'll have what I used on the one long run, the last long, really long run when it was really hot. I used the idea of doing the boiled potatoes and then making them cold, just olive oil and salt um, mm -hmm. and bringing those with. Those worked great. And I'm going to do that. I'm going to bring those with. Um, so I may use the aid station food. I may not. What I do know is I easily have stomach issues. So I want to use what I've been training with more than anything. And I have not been, I, I tried the whole eat pizza thing and it hurt very badly. So I might not be that person. I'm not going to be the one taking a, you know, having a beer or taking a shot of fireball or whatever else they got um, at one of these things. I plan to utilize them mostly for water and support, and that's about it. You know, maybe maybe food if if needed, um, but it's not an excuse for me to go out there and eat a bunch of M and M's. I learned that lesson. So well, I gotta say, I went into when I did mine. I was the I'm gonna be the pinnacle. Exactly what you just said. I'm taking this. I'm taking this. I'm gonna be self sufficient and all that. And about four hours into it. You're kind of you're coming through an aid station and you're just like or I should say at the halfway point I had um, some you know a couple of orange slices or such and uh, you know when I say M and M's one or two handfuls and but at that point you've you're you're just you've been working out for so long that you physically can't eat you're not going to sit down and eat like a family sized bag of M and M's you know they have a whole big you know turkey platter full of them but at most you're going to have one or two handfuls and it it is. It for me, it was a nice little pick me up. Like I said, then the next couple of aid stations, it was like one, 
handful. But like I said, we were out there, what, over seven hours, I think, when we did ours. So, Do you normally uh, have any issues with your stomach when you change up food on a long distance? Depends. I mean, I've had uh, – no. Let's just say historically, no, I don't have issues. But historically, I don't eat anything, which is not good either. You know, I go out for my runs, my training runs. I actually have to start reminding myself like when I start getting into like 14, 15 milers because I, I can actually – go out completely fasted. I could go out like right now if I my, didn't have my stomach issue. Um, I haven't ate anything all day and I could go do 12, 13 miles, but this is a decade into doing it, you know, um, may not be the best time wise I'll complete, but I can complete that run fasted with nothing but water. I've been, I called you on one of them when I was out pushing Connor in the stroller last year and did that, you know? Um, but it's, it's not, I'm not fueling that necessarily for that 12. It's, it's, trying to be out ahead of it for the next 12, 13, 14 miles that are to come. And that's why, like I said, most of the training runs with what I'm doing, the Hansons, they don't go over 16. So I actually don't need any fuel for that, but I need to be accustomed to it so I have it for the race. Yeah, if, if and I'm I've saying been, that correctly. Yeah. And that's my, that's my problem, and it's almost like I need to I, – I, I pack and then I make myself eat or take the electrolytes on a set schedule just for that reason. And that's one thing I did too, because we were going, when I say a little slower than anticipated when we were out there, um, but that also lengthens the time that you're out there. So if you're taking an electrolyte or you're saying you're taking that Morton, it, it's almost better to set a schedule. I don't know what yours would be, half hour, 40 minutes, 50 minutes, every so often. And, you know, you just know that you are going to take it, you're going to do it, and you're going to stay ahead of it. Um, then to add to it, like when you're coming back, I'm not saying throw caution to the wind and eat every single thing at the aid station. But from my experience and one here, you know, one handful of M&Ms won't throw you off. And if you're going to be out there, once again, in the back of your mind, you, keep, you need to just keep telling yourself, I'm going to be out here all day. You don't want to do anything that's going to be detrimental. If you know, like you said, you tried pizza and it didn't work for you, don't do that. But if there's something on the table that looks good, maybe it's potato chips, you might be craving a little extra salt. Sure. You, know, you do need to kind of listen, but yeah, you're not going to sit down and eat a whole stromboli. Yeah, no, I, I'm not saying I won't eat anything. I'm saying that I want to have enough on me that I don't have to, right? Right. Um, and the way that I've done the pattern is... Um, you know, and granted I was doing usually a little bit longer run before the walk, but I would typically every other walk break, take a sip of water or a sip of Morton. So like every time I would walk, I would have something. And then when I got to 45 minutes or so, I would have something a little or, or even an hour, probably it'll be more like an hour. Um, I'll have maybe a potato or something, a potato or two, mm -hmm. um, what I think is good for me is to kind of keep a constant drip versus yep. trying to have a a meal on the run. I know for some people the they would rather just wait an hour and then eat a bunch on the run and then you know keep going. I I can't do that. So I'm a constant drip kind of guy. So that's where the Morton comes into play. And I'll have an extra Morton packet, which is easy to mix. I literally just pour it in the bottle, put water in it, and shake it. It's the exact those um, hydro flasks are the exact size that you need right. um, for yeah. the mix. So oh, good. it's like they planned it. Um, <laughs> so we've got that. And so what's interesting though, the most, so I think there's enough aid stations. I guess that's the point, right? So there's four, is that right? 
four, one, two, three, four. Yeah, four aid stations on the course. So five and a half, nine, 13.1, five, 15.5, 18, 22 and a half, 26. So I think that's, so there's four aid stations. You hit it twice, right? So yeah. eight total. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's fine. Here's the interesting part to me of the whole thing. You talked about elevation and kind of what is flat. So Can I ask one thing before I forget? Yeah. Are you, do you have the option of a drop bag to pick up halfway or no? Uh, you actually, it does say that you have the option for a drop bag. I had not planned on one. Okay. Uh, maybe I'm naive, but I figure I should be fine. It's, I mean, I know it's a long time out there. I know it's a long distance. I, I think if I was doing 50 miles, I would have one just in case. But I think I'm okay. I think. We'll, we'll find out. That that could change as I think about it tonight and and look at the weather forecast. Because at one point it did call for rain, and then I probably would want to drop bag. Um, but otherwise, I'm I I did not have one planned. I'm trying to see where it says we could have one. So I did. Karen will laugh because yeah, I'm literally. So I can have one at the nine slash twenty two and a half. Yeah. So I had my entire bed covered with options and then paired it down to what I was going to be using. And then I actually ended up not even taking a drop bag, just kind of went for it. Like you're saying, I, I kept all of my UCAN bars, powder, everything that I would need on me. Didn't worry about a second set of shoes or anything. Um, you had said about people standing in the tunnel. Like at first you're trying to dodge the river crossings, which I don't think you're going to have to worry about, but you know, I, you try to keep your feet dry. And then by the end, nearing in on halfway or end of the day, you're just trudging. I was just trudging straight through the streams because the cool water just felt so good because the day was heating up. I only say that because I, I, and you may not even need to worry about this whatsoever. I would recommend, even if you don't plan on using a drop bag, I'd recommend putting together maybe a little extra nutrition, a couple of like band-aids, toilet paper, just a couple of random little things that might be nice to have access to because those are things that then I wouldn't put a hundred dollar jacket in it, right? But if you then end up not getting your drop bag at the you know when the race is over, you can just let those items go. You don't have to worry about them. Yeah, but there are things that, that through a you, little. You, it'd just be nice if you can if you want to waste one pack of Morton or one goo or whatever. Um, it'd just be nice to have that availability since you had said you might have some issues trying to eat anything else. It'd be better to have access to it. Maybe not necessarily on the way out, on the way back. Yeah, yeah, I'll have to take a look at that. So, um. So I kind of feel like we've kind of come to the point where it's the trail itself. Elevation's a big point. So this is an old rail trail. So it's straight, right? You don't have to worry about left and right. Trains don't go left and right. They go, you know, forwards pretty much, right? And so you can't really get lost. That's good news. The trail itself is going to be kind of mixed, maybe a little asphalt or and maybe a little crushed limestone. I think a lot of it is just kind of ground cover and soft. Um, some of it will be exposed and sunny. Some of it will have kind of big greenery, right? So kind of like a green tunnel, if you will, um, yep. with the foliage. And then it comes to elevation. And looking at the elevation, you know, they say flat, right? And I think for ultra runners, they say ap- no, this is flat. 1,587 feet of elevation. That, to me, is not flat. So... There is more across than the I whole thing is what you're saying, right? Yes. 
Yeah, out and back, yes. So there's a couple of spots that, you know, you see a little bit of a spike. You know, you go up maybe in a half mile, you go up 100 feet or so, um, which I understand is just a small hill to much of America. To me, that looks like one of Gretchen's mountains. So um, I don't think that 1,587 feet is flat. I could run... I could run 31, you know, I could run a 50K around my house and not even hit 300 feet. Mm -hmm. So to me, it was a little, I think it's very interesting what people define as flat. Um, Like you were saying with Pittsburgh, you know, you thought of as hilly, Delaware, they describe as flat. And I think it all has to do with perspective. So here, I guess my point is that there is going to be times where it's kind of just gently going uphill. Almost probably is going to look like a false flat. Mm-hmm. And I just need to keep that in mind that if I end up needing to take a little bit more of a walk break, it's not a big deal. Um, I, I'm concerned about just making sure that I stay hydrated, fueled, and understand how the heat is going to impact me over that kind of a distance. And, you know, there's a very good chance that I'm going to be out there. 10 hours um mm-hmm. it could be somewhere my guess is i'm going to be out there somewhere between eight and a half and 10 hours that's that's my best guess um it's going to depend on how i feel how the weather is and and everything else of course um i think if i was properly trained and i think sub eight hours is probably well within my reach um at this point of you know my capabilities i think even Maybe closer to seven hours is within reach, but I'm not concerned about that. Like I literally, if I come in at 1050, that's my goal. My time goal is 1059.59. <laughs> I just, I want to beat the cutoff and that's it. So, and I have no qualms. I'm not, it's not like Newport. Um, it's not like that where I was kind of had a, like this little secret, like, oh, I'm, I can do this like faster and it, it's not going to ever creep in on me um, for this one. It's literally just finished the race. Mm-hmm. And especially looking at the profile, I mean, almost 1,600 feet, that's that's kind of a lot to me. Now, I say that, and I think it was like sixteen or 1,800 feet, I can't remember, that Karen and I did at the, um, at the uh, oh gosh, what was that called? That Seven was Springs, one. Mud on the Mountain. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I keep wanting to say Fire on the Mountain, but that's what you did. Right, Mud on the Mountain? No, it's, it's the same the place, mountain? though. <laughs> yeah. Um. So what? Whatever that one was that we did, it it was really that was about sixteen hundred or eighteen hundred for the half marathon. So okay, when you look at it that way, this is flat, you know, in a comparative sense. But it's a lot of elevation for me. So I'll see how that kind of all goes. But it's definitely not flat to me. But I understand why it's flat to ultra runners, given what they're out there doing. Um from most of these races. There's not a lot that are this flat. So that's about uh, you it for me. me. I, I'm looking at your, I'm looking at your elevation profile now, just so, because you had said it, you know, and what I'm seeing, and if you've looked, like you said, there's a bunch of little like peak drop off, peak drop off, but it's going in a upward motion the whole time. Like your longest, if you take the bottom of the hill to the top of the hill, it looks like, when I'm saying hill here, like mile 16, your turnaround is almost 1,100 feet. And the lowest elevation point is 
23 feet. So you have 200 feet of elevation across six miles. And there are a couple of these little like quarter mile where it looks like you, like you're saying, you go almost like uphill for a quarter mile and then you go downhill for a quarter mile. And when I say the up and downhill, you're talking a total elevation like this one's 974 to 1017. So about 30 feet across the quarter mile or so. I don't, I don't know how quite how that's going to translate for me. Well, look at the beginning though, that profile. Oh, I see. No, I see that big point too. Yeah. I'm just going to say like between, I'm just going to say between 11 and 16, I, I know you're going to want to stick to your walk, you know, your run walk breaks, but, or another good example here between mile three and mile four, that looks like that is a total uphill mile where you gain a hundred feet of elevation. I would anticipate or I would go into that and I would probably literally just walk that entire mile. Oh yeah. And then run mile five to six cause it's all downhill, you know? Yeah, and that could happen. And, and, and you, I, I would just say have, you have a solid plan in your mind with, with your timing and you know what you can do. I would just say, I really wouldn't push the uphill. If it's a hill for you, it's a hill. That's all that matters. I wouldn't push the uphills too hard. Um, cause you know, you know, you're going to make it up on the, the, the downhill running. Um, you're going to make up that speed. Fat guy, gravity downhill is my friend. Yes. I, I know it well. I know it well. So what else you want to cover? You have more to it, go man. through or do you have any, nothing else in your head you want to cover or work through here? No, I mean, now it's just about, you know, making the prep, um, between, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, um, I'm going to leave, you know, pretty much from work on Friday, um, after work, I'm going to, I'm going to head straight up there. So, um, staying at this wonderful bed and breakfast called Cameo Rose, that would probably be much better if I had, you know, like my wife with me. Um, however, I'm alone in the bed and breakfast. I'm sure there will be other athletes there. I'm sure she'll appreciate you being alone there. <laughs> yeah, she, exactly. Um, so, um, that's it really for me. I'm looking forward to it. Um, as, uh, former Oak Forest Bengal alum and marathon whisperer Denise Soriel says, I'm skited, I'm scared and excited, um, kind of all at <laughs> once. Uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to, to this and it's going to be no, no matter what, it will be a learning experience, and I'm glad that the te- the exterior tendonitis went um, subsided, so that I can make it to the start line. I was getting concerned I'd have a DNS, um, and I really wanted to get to the start line. And I'm confident, given the time limit, getting to the start line, I can get to the finish line. And that's it. There you go. Yeah. How about that? I think you're gonna do great. And I'm looking forward to, and I'm going to put it out there now. For the next day after the race, you're going to say, I'm never doing this again. And within a week, you're going to be looking at what distance you want to do for next year. I have no doubt that I'll want to do more. I'm going to do some shorter distances, some harder trail stuff, maybe even go for a 5K PR in here. Um, And then I'm sure I'll be looking at what to do next and – I don't know. I have no idea what's on the horizon. I know what I've got mapped out through November, um, beginning of November. That's it. So, well, um, fire on the mile is beginning of November. What do you have mapped out through then? Um, yeah, it's Not whatever that. the off week of that is. Cause 
Fire in the Mountain is a a kids that's that's a kids time unfortunately or I would be there. Um but I've got a Nebraska run. Can't remember if it's the week before or the week after. It's one one of the two. Um that is the the squatchy <laughs> doing a the beer and bagel. They call this the the what we're doing the squat what I'm doing with Kevin and Larry the squatchy which is a half marathon ish 13.1 ish miles on mm-hmm. Saturday and then four ish miles on Sunday and very hilly. So I'm looking forward to that. Found found some hills in the area that I can run to train and um we'll we'll have some fun with that. We need to get you a GoPro so we could like, you know, witness all of this with you. Yeah, right. Someday. Someday. You never know. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much, Rob, for for joining me and look forward to catching up again very, very soon on air. Likewise. Appreciate it. Come back anytime. Awesome. All right. You've been listening to episode. I'm going to try to do this from memory because I have nothing. Um, Listening to episode 78 of the Fat Man Chronicles. The music is You Got Me Wrong by Safar. We want to thank our patrons. I'll name you by name twice next time because I don't have them all in front of me. And there is a list of six, I believe, of you. So I don't want Amy, to miss Amy, Linda, Steve, John, Rob. I can't. I don't know. Anyways, keep going. <laughs> Julie, James. I, I, They're all in there. Yeah. Um, everybody's in there. And I'm, I know I've missed somebody. So um, but we'll do we'll do twice next time because I don't have it in front of me. Uh, but go on to. Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. Subscribe, rate, review, share this. And in the meantime, everyone, get out there and be better today. (laughs) 